0: 1 Peter chapter 3 will be in reading the entire chapter. 1 Peter 3. Would you please give ear to the reading of God's word? Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this matter, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you are called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in christ may be ashamed for it is better if it is the will of god to suffer for doing good than for doing evil for christ also suffered once for sins the just for the unjust that he might bring us to god being put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. There is also an antitype, which now saves us baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through your mouth to your servants who wrote your word. You call us to come before you and pursue righteousness and goodness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. You tell us to take hold of the eternal life to which we are called when we made our good profession in the presence of witnesses and in the sight of God who gives life to everything. Father, we need your help. We need your help in understanding your word. Open our hearts this day. We ask these things. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. I have preached a number of sermons on the duty of wives before. I could have just re-preached one of those sermons and it would have pretty well covered this passage, but I didn't think that was the best thing to do. I'm sure that you will recognize some of this, but you should find new things as well. I want to approach this from a different perspective this morning. I find there are many passages, uh, and there are many more passages than just one in most passages of Scripture. This morning, I want to look at this passage for what it teaches us about submission, instead of just what it says about women's responsibilities. One of the things I think is very important for us to understand, is why God seems to speak so strongly to wives and their duties, while he seems only lightly to mention husbands' responsibilities. Throughout the New Testament, the body of believers, the church, is referred to as the bride of Christ. He is called our husband. Believers are represented in Scripture by wives, and husbands represent Christ. The whole message of Scripture is directed at how believers should live their lives. Therefore, what the Scripture says to the wife, it says to all of us. We need to examine this passage and those kin to it with an eye for how we are to relate to Jesus Christ, who is the husband of all believers. What is a husband to do for his wife? He is to provide, protect, comfort, and deliver her from harm. What does Jesus do for believers? He saves them from sin, Satan, and death. He provides for them a place to rest. He gives them comfort through his own spirit in their hearts. He does for them those things they cannot do for themselves. He fulfills the role of husband. What we as believers need to learn is how we can be a good wife. We need to learn what makes our husband happy. We need to learn how we can support the work he's doing, the things wives are called by Scripture to do for their husband. Therefore, we should recognize they are things we as believers must do for our Lord. I've told you in the last two or three sermons that submission was a very hard thing for sinful men to do. It's difficult because of the old sinful nature that always wants its own way. The same thing is true for wives. In Genesis 3.16, God told the woman, Your desire will be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. What this means is that the woman will want to rule over her husband. She will desire the preeminent role. You can see this same thing in Genesis 4-7, where God is speaking to Cain just before he kills Abel. Here he tells Cain, If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. This is what every believer must know. Sin wants to control you, it wants to master you, it wants to rule you. The construction is the same as in Genesis 3.16. The woman's desire is to rule her husband to avoid submission. But due to the male strength, it will not be an easy task. There is a natural tendency to struggle between men and women based in original sin. I believe that women have a natural desire to rule, and they are quite good at it in many ways. Men, on the other hand, have a tendency to shirk responsibility, which they're pretty good at. So we have women needing the grace of God to submit, and men needing the grace of God to rule. Without grace, neither men nor women can be obedient to God's command. No one can hear, understand, or obey God's call without his grace. You will not find men properly leading outside of the influence of the gospel, and you will not find women properly submitting with respect apart from the gospel. Look at the third world countries where the gospel is not allowed. Take Afghanistan. Women are not in any way seen as equal to men there. They are kept down by force. They may want to rule over their husbands, but by his strength they are not given a chance. It is only in the West where Christianity has made the woman a person to be respected that we see women treated with honor as a person. It is this very idea of respect for wives and women in general that has opened the door to liberal feminism. The feminist, the feminis- the, this feminism is allowed them in the West to try and destroy the line of separation between men and women. The scripture clearly declares the difference between the sexes. You can't read through the scripture and not see that. There is a clear distinction between men and women in scripture as there is between those in and those under authority. In this passage, Peter speaks to this issue of submission. Again, with an eye toward wives, thus toward each one of us as believers. He first explains why submission is important. Second, he explains how the submission can be used to influence others. Third, he gives an Old Testament example of the results. From our old natures. There comes a real distaste for anything that calls us to look away from ourselves and toward someone else. We do not want to submit to anyone or anything. This is the very root of the problem in the garden with Adam and Eve. Adam wanted to do his own thing without God looking over his shoulder. Therefore, he committed open treason against God. He refused to submit and follow God's commands. God in his grace and mercy decided to give man some time in which he could be recovered from the judgment of death handed down against him because of this treason. Man died spiritually in the garden. Physical death was only set into motion at the time of his spiritual death. The time period from birth to death is now a time for redemption. In redemption, God gives a new heart, a new spirit, and his own Holy Spirit to a man. Then calls that man to come unto him through Jesus Christ and be obedient to his commands. He created all men to be his servants. But in the rebellion, man chose to go his own way. All men were thus lost. God, through regeneration, is working. He's working to save out of this mass of sinful humanity a people unto himself. He chooses men to hear and to believe. Those he chose from before the foundation of the world are enabled to hear his call and believe his word. As believers, they are called to emulate Jesus, and the main part of that emulation is submission. 1 Peter 3, verses 1 and 2. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Here we see submission acting as witness to others. Peter has told us about submission in regard to governmental authorities and and as, as slaves to masters. He says wives have a special submission to make, a special witness, if you will. Through submission, the witness is to their own husbands. Some translations leave out the word own in reference to husbands. The Greek says wives are to to their own husbands. There's no excuse for leaving it out. Just because someone is a husband does not make him every woman's master. The same thing is true of God's. Just because someone calls, themself, uh, calls something a God does not mean you as a believer are required to submit to its commands. You owe nothing to Buddha. You owe nothing to Mohammed. You owe nothing to Shiva. We have one Lord. The wife has one husband. This is a truth that must be set in your mind and heart. We are not subject to what anyone tells us except it is founded on scriptural principles. God has laid out for us his commands that we're to follow. He calls believers to follow one Lord only and the wife to follow only one husband. In the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 verses 2 through 5, God speaks to this. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. You are called. You are called as a believer to worship and serve only the true and living God. As a wife, you are called to submit to your own husband and to no other. You are to submit as a wife for the same reason believers are called to submit to God. Because God is the one given to protect and provide for you. What were women called to do in Genesis? They were called to leave their father and mother and to be united to their husbands and to cleave to them. To hold to them and follow them. To become one with them in everything they do. The believer is called to leave this world and come to God. To be molded into the image of Jesus Christ. To be one with him. There is no way to become one with another without submission. Submission is important. I spoke about the philosophy of the one and many several weeks ago. Which says man, because of his sin, needs a leader. But because of that same sin, he doesn't want a leader. Therefore, there is a love-hate relationship between men and their leaders. This is what we are talking about between husband and wife. Wife needs the husband, but she does not want to completely give herself over to him. The trine Godhead shows us how there can be perfect harmony between leader and follower, between husband and wife. It's molded for us in the relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit as they work together in perfect harmony to save the people unto themselves. As believers, we're called into this perfect harmony. The family is a picture of this harmony. Husband and wife become one, bringing children into the world, the product of their union and harmony. You cannot have a true family without harmony, without a proper understanding of submission. There is no way you as a believer or a woman as a wife can come into the relationship with God's grace, working in your heart, opening your understanding, changing your desire, making you see others. As more important than yourself. He continues to make this point. About seeing others as more important. How do you start? How does this begin? By telling wives. Without believers for husbands. That they should submit. To their own husband. And in their submission. Be witnesses of the love of God. Jesus Christ did this same thing. As he entered this world. He submitted himself to men who did not know God. He allowed them to persecute him. They tried him, and they crucified him on the cross. In all of this, he became the ultimate witness of God's love and grace, and through that witness, many have come to salvation. This is the same thing Peter says wives should do. Submit to their own husbands. Do it in a very respectful and loving way. This is why it's so hard to live a Christian life. We are called to do things that cut across the grain of our natures. But for the wife that hears this call, for the wife who obeys it, there is the hope of great reward. She may very well get a Christian husband out of her obedience. Do you not see the same thing in our lives as believers? You are called to be witnesses to a dark world. Witnesses of the light of Jesus Christ. It will be through your witness that the gospel is made clear. How will that be? It will be by your joy as you emulate Jesus Christ. Many are the martyrs for this cause. They were asked to submit even to a horrible death at the hands of evil men in order to show God's love. Just to name a few. Remember in Acts, Stephen? Most of the apostles were martyred, including Peter and Paul. There were many in the immediate years after the Christ's resurrection, such as Polycarp, and then later John Huss. In England, many many gave their lives, such as William Tyndale, Nicholas Ridby, Hugh Latimer, and uh, Thomas Kramer. Closer to our own day, men like Jim Elliott, Ed McCulley, Roger Yoderin, Peter Fleming, and Nate Smith, they gave their lives in the name of Jesus Christ. All of these men and many more, and women, were killed because of their allegiance to Jesus Christ. It is the example of purity and reverence to the one you serve that will be the light shining for all to see. The reason you are called to submit, the reason the wife is called to submit to her own husband, is because of the submission of Jesus Christ to his Father and to the plan of redemption. It is through submission that God's plan is made perfect in your life. In the day Peter wrote this, There was much emphasis placed on the outward beauty of women. The same is true in our day, and I believe it has always been true. Men have always been eye-centered, and they have always wanted women that pleased them through their eyes. Women are not dumb, and they have always known this about men, and they have exploited it to their advantage. Peter attacks this idea of being eye-centered. You can apply this to much more than just women. Men have always wanted a God they can see. How many times have you heard someone say, If I had been seeing the miracles Jesus did, I would believe? Yes, they would. Until the effects wore off and they needed to see a bigger miracle to reinforce their belief. Our worship is fleeting. We quickly forget what we have seen and need to see more. This is the greatest danger that we face. Pornography is an example of it. A little only makes you want more. There is never a point at which you see all you need to see. This is what Peter is speaking of in 1 Peter 3, verses 3 and 4. Do not let your adornment be merely outward arranging the hair, Wearing gold or putting on fine apparel. Rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. First, let's get one thing straight here. You need to understand this. Peter is not giving a command against braiding your hair, wearing gold jewelry or fine clothing. There is not a prohibition in these verses, but a call to place those things in their proper perspective. The believer is called to come apart from the world. That doesn't mean to ignore the duties of life in this world. It means to put them in their proper perspective and to live your life in this world without being a part of the sin of it. Ladies, you can make yourself attractive on the outside without sin. But you must understand, as the believer must, that it is what is in your heart that is important to Jesus Christ. Let me paraphrase this verse for you as it's given by Simon Kistemaker. I object to the work of elaborate braiding your hair, the ostentatious wearing of gold ornaments, and the undue effort of dressing yourself in expensive clothing. He's speaking to those who go overboard To make the outside look so good while they ignore the much more important work of changing the heart. This goes back to submission. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Believers, submit to your Lord. The thing that should concern wives and believers is pleasing the one they are given to. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. We have been given to him by the Father. He is the one that should concern us. His desire is for your heart. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not be taken in by the priorities of this world. Understand, there are more important things to consider, and they can only be considered as you change your focus from self to others. Peter continues, rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Here's the thing God values a gentle and quiet spirit. This means a spirit that is willing, that is ready to be obedient, to submit to the authorities God places over them. It means one who is willing to allow God's word to be their guide in all matters of life. It is the one who sees themselves as God sees them, lost and without hope apart from Jesus Christ. Wise. You want to be beautiful in the eyes of God and your husband? Then submit to your own husband. Believers, you want to be beautiful in the eyes of Christ, your husband? Then submit to him as your Lord. Submit and be obedient in every action, thought, and word. What was the reason God created the woman? She was to be the man's helpmate. She was to assist him in doing the work God gave him. What is the purpose of God's calling of people to himself? So they can serve and worship him. Submission is a part of this calling for both wife and believer. It is the center of all that God created and the foundation for the beauty of all he promises. Submission makes both wife and believer beautiful and allows you to be what God has called you to be. How? It is through submission alone that you become the influence that can change your husband or that the believer can change the world. Peter gives an example from the Old Testament to back up what he says. 1 Peter 3, verses 5 and 6. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. How did the women of the Old Testament who lived holy lives make themselves beautiful? They did it by faith. To be holy here doesn't mean to be perfect. It means to be completely submitted to God's will. These women were committed to God and his word. They believed him when he spoke and they followed his guidance. They understood. He had placed their husbands over them for a reason and they faithfully submitted to them. This is the same thing each believer is called to do submit unto every authority placed over them when you do this and people see your gentle and quiet spirit they are immediately drawn to you they want to know what makes you different from those other loud and rebellious people peter tells us in verse 15 but sanctify lord god in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear We're all to be submissive to our Lord. Sarah was submissive to her husband Abraham. She called him master. We need to know Jesus Christ. We need to call him our master. He needs to be the focus of our attention in each and every situation and circumstance we find ourselves We can't be called Christian. We can't be called a believer. We can't claim to be one of the elect without him at the center of our hearts. Wives, you are in the perfect place to mold this idea of submission. You have been given to your own husband. He is a picture of Christ, and you are a picture of the believer. What an opportunity. What an opportunity do you have to witness to the wonderful message of love and grace given us in Jesus Christ. Peter makes this very clear. He makes it in this last statement from this passage in reference to Sarah, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Paul tells us in Galatians 3.29, If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. He also said in Galatians 3, 6 and 7, Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. This again connects the wife and the believer. The wife is a daughter of Sarah because she does what is right. The believer is a seed of Abraham because he believes God's word. If the wife submits to her husband and shows her trust in him and does not abandon him, Then she will be Sarah's daughter. If the believer submits unto Jesus Christ and believes his word and does not abandon his guidance, he will be Abraham's seed and the child of God for eternity. There is a powerful message given to us in this passage. There is also a great, marvelous opportunity given us in living out this truth. How we live our lives makes a difference. And how the gospel is received. I think one of the most tragic failures of the modern church has been its failure to uphold this teaching on submission. You cannot be pleasing before your God until you've accepted his call to submit to all authorities. I call you to hear and to believe on this one who has come to save his people from their sins. He was sent by the Father to save the Savior of his people and to be the leader of his church. He is the firstborn and he stands by his father's side waiting for his enemies to be put under his feet. You can either hear his call and believe, bowing your knee and confessing with your tongue in this lifetime, calling him your master. The other way to praise him is to refuse his call and then praise him by the smoke of your eternal destruction from the fires of hell. The choice is clear. The need is ever present. The answer is found in a submissive heart and contrite spirit. For they are the only things that have great worth before God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, gracious God, you sent Jesus Christ to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. Our desire is that you will work in every heart who hears this message and shows them Jesus as their indescribable gift from you. Make them aware of all that he did for them through his life, death, and resurrection. Help them to see and know. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Open, Lord, every heart. Bring them to see their need and their need of a Savior and show them Jesus and Him crucified for them on Calvary's cross. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.